Welcome to Leadership Reimagined. I'm Dr. Jane Lovis, your host. During each episode of Leadership Reimagined, we take a look at leadership from the vantage point of what it's going to take for leaders to lead their organizations forward into a new future. And in this episode, we're creating that new future. Today, I'd like to welcome Rachel Hutchison. Rachel leads global social responsibility for BlackBot, a technology company that empowers an ecosystem of good. She believes that relationships are everything and that social responsibility is every leader's business and is central to healthy, successful organizations. For Rachel, she has taken on ensuring BlackBot shows up as an active participant in the ecosystem of good. She is also seeing more alignment around the fact that social responsibility is important to the business and really any organizations, not just a nice to have. So Rachel, welcome. I am so thrilled to have this conversation today with you. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You were talking about when you when you were talking about as bl- ensuring that BlackBot shows up as an active participant in the ecosystem of good. I love that terminology, ecosystem of good. Like I it- love it too. Yeah. <laughs> so what? tell me what that means to you. So the ecosystem of good is the way we at BlackBot talk about the world within which we function and, and what we do and provide as a company. We're a cloud software provider and we provide solutions and expertise and data to organizations um, seeking to do good in the world. So individuals, Um, every different kind of nonprofit, grant-making foundations, and then also companies, um, people like me who lead social responsibility, who want to engage people within the company and giving and volunteering and other things. So all that we do has to do with that central idea of social good. Um, And so there's this ecosystem of all of these different kinds of people and organizations that are are driving good in the world. And, And, you know, I talk about or think about my own role at BlackBot as being you know, how we show up as the socially responsible company that says, hey, we we don't just help drive this. We're a part of this goodness, too, through how we operate, through the solutions we provide, through the decisions we make, and um, through how we help our people be agents of good. So it's all kind of intertwined. It's not something that's separate. You said earlier, before we even started talking, is that you've been at BlackBot for 30 years. Yeah, well, actually, tomorrow, tomorrow, of this recording, (laughs) tomorrow, I will have been at BlackBot 30 years, which is just shocking to me that, that, first of all, that I'm that old. (laughs) That um, I I prefer to look forward than backward. Looking backward, I am very proud of what we've accomplished. I joined the company when it was very small, out of about 100 people, I was working with the founder and the founding team and didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I just took the job and, and said, I'm going to gonna work here and learn. And it, the company was just growing and evolving so much. And, and I was growing and evolving and having a family and dealing with all of that. And, and here I am 30 years later, um, but we've evolved a lot. We've grown a lot. We went public. We've done some amazing things that have provided opportunities either for me to pivot in my own career when I needed to, or opportunities that, that came to me because of our growth. So I feel very fortunate and very proud. Yes, absolutely. I think it's, and it's also a testament to doing good in the world. And (laughs) 
And what I'm also, what I also looking at is there's a success. Sometimes we have this idea that businesses have to be, their first focus has to be on making money. That's not always true. That uh, actually very seldom is true. And you well, can have a successful company with, yeah. it's, it's not like there's no focus on money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that the sole focus is there. You know, I do work at the behest of a successful company. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I've had this wonderful career is that we've grown and evolved and changed and taken on new things and reorganized and, and kept, you know, tech companies innovate and that continual mm -hmm. innovation creates opportunities and change. And if everything had were the same as it was when I walked in the door, then that that wouldn't have worked. But but you're absolutely right that it doesn't. It's not just about profit. It's about um, profit with a purpose. You know why do we exist? And the core mm -hmm. reason for Blackwood to exist from the very beginning, the core idea was um, software for independent schools, K through 12 schools, then nonprofits, then this broader social good community, and being at a place where that intersects, the profit and purpose intersect and kind of combined at the heart of our strategy is, um, is a beautiful thing. And it's something that I've seen wasn't really that obvious across the business market when I went into the work world, but is now very, very present. Um, you can't pick up the business press without talking about the role of purpose and and people seeking careers with meaning and, and how do we solve social issues and social impact problems through products and services that are commercial ventures. Mm -hmm. You know, the two can and do go together. And right now it's really critical for organizations to look at that. We've got so many people that are disengaged. And if you want in engage if you want engaged employees and you want to retain your employees, there has to be some purpose behind why they're coming to work. Absolutely. And you know, often the millennial generation gets the credit for that. But I, I started seeing it right after 9-11, mm -hmm. where people were saying, I'm going to move to a different part of the country. I'm going to do a different thing. My my family and my community need a little more of my attention than just my job. And, but then we have this big generation, the millennials enter the workforce and really help build steam around this. And, you know, it, now it's, it's very common for people of all ages to mm -hmm. say, yes, I'm proud of what I do as a professional. I believe I should earn a fair wage for that, but I also want to take meaning from what I do every day. I don't want it to be this side gig. I want it to, to be tied to, to what I do, to how I use my professional skills. And that, um, I think that's wonderful. It, it makes us more mindful about the decisions we make, the roles we have, and it does make companies um, really focused on how do we optimize to recruit the best talent we can, and then how do we engage them and keep them? Um, because people, communities are made of people. Right. And companies are made of people. Relationships are everything. <laughs> I mean, I think everything starts because and happens because of relationship. It's You can't separate that human interaction and relationship from all the other things that you do. Right, right. The, the definition that that I share that I use for leadership is that leadership is the art of engaging and empowering a group of individuals to accomplish a vision. And I see when, when people do that, when leaders do that magic happens. Yeah. And there's less stress 
I have a friend that has a company called Heart's Joy, and she talks about less stress, more joy at work. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when we when we create that, when people come to work wanting to be there, as opposed to it's just another thing. I liked when you said our job shouldn't be just a side hustle. That well, giving and volunteering and engaging in social good shouldn't be a side hustle from your job. It, uh, it, it all you should you know we're all people, and it's interesting. I, I entered the work world during what I have called the Gordon Gecko greed is good era, which was like the late 1980s. I think the movie came out in like 86 or 87. Um, anyone of my generation would remember the, the movie. And, you know, this idea that when you graduated from college, if you wanted to make money, you went into business. If you wanted to do good, you worked for a nonprofit or got an MPA or something like that. And, and I love that that now, you know, it is different. People say, you know, I really want to do good in the world. And I see that business is a, is a force for good. It's a, it's one of the paths I can take. It's not an either or, um, you know, things have really changed. Yeah. Yeah. And this, where, where this started to go off was in the early seventies when Milton Friedman in his business book said, the purpose of a company is to maximize profits and returns for shareholders. And so that, that put us down this path of short-term profits. How do we, you know, quarterly returns. And what we're seeing is business really is here to solve a problem. There are problems in the world that need to be solved that business is, you know, like technology. Well, business was always here to solve a problem. Yeah. And is, is, you know, I think about Main Street America and what would Main Street America have been, you know, without businesses, without, it's that intersection of all the different sectors. We need all of it. We need mm -hmm. everybody at the table. I like to say good is for everyone. It's, it's, it's not just, oh, we're going to do good over here with nonprofits and the rest of it is something different. And, you know, we've had some bad actors in the business world and some, you know, very big stories, but business, like what would we do without refrigeration, like an innovation that comes from, from, you know, science and business. And so it's like a, a reimagination of that. I mean, like yep. coming back to terms with the fact that, that business is an important part of the mix and that also businesses should be socially responsible and not all of them are not. I also like to extend that to not just businesses, organizations should be mm -hmm. socially responsible, whatever kind of organization they are. And right now the focus is on business and largely through an ESG lens, but it's really about any organization that employs people that has a common purpose needs to be thinking about these things. And the world and consumers and employees are, are um, holding organizations a little more accountable. Absolutely. When you look at that, holding organizations accountable, how do you, how do you imagine that happening? Well, how I see it happening, mm -hmm. I see it happening through a lot of lenses. And I've mentioned a couple of them. And one really big one is talent. Um, mm -hmm. Talent is, you know, the cost of turnover is very significant for any organization. We all want the best people we can get. And people are looking at the places where they can potentially work and asking, you know, hard questions about what they believe and what policies they have and what benefits they have and how they engage in community and is their purpose in the work. And, and that's really important both for, for hiring people and then proving that out and retaining them. So that's one. Consumers, how consumers, if you're, you're in the consumer 
um, good space, you know, how people purchase, how they decide to spend their money. Consumers are much more savvy. I have a 21 year old and 23 year old, and they are way more savvy about how they spend than, than I mm-hmm. ever was at that age. Um, but then there, you know, there are other forces, the, and ESG is one of them, you know, that largely comes out of the investor space, you know, environmental, social governance, technically being the, the reporting of non-financial data around those three areas, which typically is done um, focusing on companies, public companies, um, particularly as you get to some size. But but you hear lots of people talking ESG now. And I think often when they say ESG, they're not necessarily specifically talking about the data elements that fall under the E, the S, and the G. They're talking about social responsibility. Mm -hmm. Are you kind to the climate? You know, are you um, appropriate when it comes to human rights? You know, what do you believe? How do you practice? Do you have good, good diversity practices? And that's because Becoming more a part of what I would consider the public conversation than just something that's technical and dating that data driven that's that's focused on investors. I think that's actually positive. It's complicated, right? Because there are lots of rating agencies and frameworks, and it can be confusing for a mid-sized company like ours to to get our arms around all of that. But it's an important journey, and it's helping us be more mindful, knowing we're always going to be on that journey. And embracing that. And that's, that's a good point. It's a journey. Absolutely. It's not, it's not like, oh, we're here. There's no way any company can ever say we're here. We've done it. We're completely hundred percent perfect. When you're talking about human capital and you're talking Mm -hmm. about changing conditions and you're talking about life on a planet where the climate is constantly changing and a factor to everyone, um, the landscape around us is literally shifting all the time. Right. And so having to be aware of that and looking at taking that into consideration on a regular basis, you know, which means, and and this is a challenge for humans. Humans don't like change. And we live in a world that changes. Change is constant. I yeah. actually was in a training session earlier today in a program called Engagement Labs that, that Blackboard leaders take. And, and we were talking about how change and that, and we used, we would say, oh, it's just a period of change, but the change is over. No, change is constant. <laughs> it always has been constant. Yep. We're just re- relatively recently realizing that it's constant. And, you know, I feel like I've been this student of organizational change in my career because I started at a company that had a hundred people and it was entrepreneurial and it was led by the founder. And then we grew and we got an outside investment and then we went public. And now we continue to innovate and do different things. And we are at the heart, the same, but we're also very different. And that change is beautiful. It's like, it's what makes innovation and ideas kind of, you know, happen, but it can be very disruptive. If, if you don't learn how to manage and lead through change, it's like right. a muscle you have to develop. And that's, and that's a significant part of leadership because if we, if things weren't changing, we, we could just have somebody to kind of direct it um, and told people what to do, but it's that leading through change because everything that we do is often a result of change or causing a change. It really, if you really want to, you know, step back and look at it, change is always happening. I mean, mm-hmm. in the natural world in our lives and, and embracing that it's, that it is what it is. It is just there and that we need to 
constantly evolve is actually, I think, a real positive. If It's just not realistic to say that nothing would ever change. If, if the company that I work for were the same as it was in the 90s, we wouldn't exist anymore. Right. We sold hardware and DOS-based software, and the world was very different. And the the amount of evolution that's happened in our technology alone, from DOS to Windows to cloud, is just amazing. The amount of processing you know, speed that's available is amazing. The, let alone the changes in you know, politics and culture and mm-hmm. just evolution and the evolution of the world and the climate. I mean, everything's changing. And it's changing much faster, which is also, it's like, don't get off the merry-go-round. Yeah, There's it no is getting changing. off. <laughs> Maybe that's just me feeling like I'm older where everything is moving faster, but it, you know, technology is increasing at an incredible rate, which is a wonderful thing, but it also can be a stressful thing mm-hmm. um, for some. And, you know, obviously nature is, is evolving and changing and, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Right. Um, but it makes, it cautions me to, to remember that even if I think that I know something, maybe there's still a lot more to learn because the world is always changing. There's, I agree. There's always plenty to learn. There's always something new to learn, be aware of, um, identify and just and be and be open to because oftentimes yeah, we don't so even have I've the, often uh, said the older <laughs> I get the less I think I know and you know when I was was quite young I I you know thought that the way to like being seen as a leader was like to know things and <laughs> You know, that was like the stupidest thing I ever thought. Um, And so the older I get, the more comfortable I am with saying, I don't know, but I have the confidence that I can figure it out or I can surround myself with people who they together will help me figure it out. And some of that does come with age, just not caring quite so much what everyone is thinking. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. I know that there are lots of things that I do not know. Yes, absolutely. And and there are a lot of things that I don't even want to know. Well, I have a lot of respect for the fact that there are others in this world who are very different Ex- um, yes. from me and who have knowledge bases and lived experiences that are different. And, you know, to me, that kind of connection of relationship, when I say relationships are everything, knowing and embracing and appreciating that people are all different and that you have this network effect of being able to tap into the differences, whether Mm -hmm. it's experience, knowledge, um, cultural background, awareness, whatever it is, um, that brings a richness of, uh, well, I don't know, but wow, this person over here, let's invite into the conversation, this person. And a lot of the work that I do is with lots of different people across an organization or across multiple organizations. And typically in a framework where it's not all people who might report to a certain person, it's just lots of different people. And so we're bringing in a lot of collaborative ideas and conversations and trying to drive toward a common goal. And that really does provide a lot of opportunity to learn and experience um, from others. Mm-hmm. That sounds like like a great way to spend time. <laughs> well, constantly learning. And you know, yeah, that's, that's, I love that. That's, that's exactly what I love too, which is one of the reasons this podcast is so much fun because it's, you know, if I knew everything about leadership, I could just tell everybody what to do. But yeah, and you know, people <laughs> conflate this idea or or misinterpret the idea that if you have a certain title, you're a leader. And you know, I've seen young children be leaders, and and 
you know, young employees, people new to the workforce who are just behaving in a way that exudes leadership that people are following and listening mm-hmm. and versus I have a title, therefore I'm the leader, therefore you must listen to me is, you know, management training has changed a lot in the 30 years I've been in the workforce and how you were taught to manage people versus now how you're, you're coached to engage people and yep. to bring out best in people and help them with their careers. And I, I love that. I love the nuances and the language is such a positive shift. And, and it's so much broader. There's, you know, there's this tendency to, when you look at managing somebody, you're, you're managing them almost inside of a box. Yeah. You know, this is what you're supposed to do. And that's all I'm focused on. Whereas leadership and development and and engagement all is so expansive, as you said, and and really gives you an opportunity to know people. Well, and I love that because I mean, authentic connection, you know, you know, because I believe so much in relationships and the whole pay it forward. I don't, I meet someone, I, I love to meet them. I'll connect with them on LinkedIn and, and I don't know if we'll ever, you know, do anything business-wise together or even meet in person, but just having that connection usually leads to something and having an authentic connection where you really get to see and hear each other as people. To me, that's the biggest compliment anyone could give mm. me is that I was authentic. And it just takes you more quickly to a space where you can really hear and see um, into other people's experiences and gain from that. I, that that's why I, I experience and, and value value that relationship connection so much. And I, it's been hard these past two years to, to just interact this way and not be with people as much. Mm-hmm. I'm that person who will talk to you in an elevator. By the time we get to the fourth floor, I'll know something about you and we'll be connected and I want to stay in touch with you. And it's just, I feed on that kind of personal mm. connection and energy. And I love, I love the being able to, to connect with people over zoom without having to go anyplace. <laughs> I like that too. I just feel like it doesn't, I've loved that and I've really relied on it, but there's a missing being able to do both because what you don't have is you don't have those accidental collisions, right? Um, Getting in the elevator with someone realizing that they're from your hometown or that, you know, whatever you, they're eating something and you recommend a new place for them to, you know, go eat and you all of a sudden find a connection. And just, I think humans naturally um, have a desire to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. And there's something draining about always being in front of a screen. Yep. And there's something that's not quite fulfilling enough. Yes. Although it can be empowering in other ways. So it's just like, how do we figure out the right mix? And I know my company is doing a great job of, you know, when we went remote, one of the first things we did, um, right when COVID was hitting that first year in 2020, trained all of its managers on managing virtual teams and really relying heavily on our tech infrastructure to make sure we were all connected and you know, really making sure that we were hearing and seeing and connecting with people across the company. Um, and it's an ongoing journey because we're constantly bringing in new people. And we were just talking about that in the training this morning. You're, you can't just say, I've got this team and the team is in the right place because every time the team changes, you know, that place shifts. Right. So it's, it's a opportunity to think about leadership in a, in a very different way and, and to draw in skills that maybe some hadn't been drawing on when everyone was in person. Exactly. And we've gotten to see that some things that we thought were really good, like, oh, we can, we can be in constant contact. We found out really isn't that good. There was that having your own office that, or that your own space that nobody comes to where you've got time to work is important also. So 
we've learned so much more on how people work, how teams work, and we're still learning. There's things that work in person that don't work. Like you say that meeting somebody and that walking down the hall, that ability to just walk down a hall and see what's going on. That's much harder to do in Zoom. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think about belonging a lot and and it's it's easy enough. I can connect with someone on Zoom, fine, but I have Mm -hmm. to have a reason to connect with them. So how do I meet that new person who I might meet in the cafeteria line or might meet walking in from the parking lot or at an event or just informally and have a connection that gets us to talk, I might not ever know that they exist. And so we have to have new mechanisms as a company and as a, as a world to continue to meet new people who otherwise you just might not even know that they're out there. Right, right. I have a, I have a client that they're all virtual and all in different spaces and a, a smaller client. And one of the things that we put in place about six months ago is she will, because she's got the access as the CEO and, and it's like mix and match mm-hmm. and each person gets a little write up about the other person. Yeah. And then the expectation is you have like two calls two yeah. you know, we you do have that more, too. you can have, but it's just random. And then every month you get a different, so you think to build that, because as you said, you, you're not walking down the halls, you don't see people. So you won't even know who you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And companies are getting smarter about, yeah. you know, well, how do we introduce the new class of employees? to everybody at the company? How do we help them on board, not just with their teams, with with others? And, and we're all figuring it out, but it is a new, um, it's a new world. Yes, it is. It's a, it's definitely a new world. Well, Rachel, our time is up. That was fast. I, I, I know. It's, it's like, oh, wow. Um, so what, what last share would you like to share with our listeners? Well, you know, I've talked a lot about how much relationships mean to me. And I actually have a lot of really meaningful relationships that I've made in social media on LinkedIn. I would encourage anybody who's interested in the kinds of things that I've talked about to, to link with me on LinkedIn. And, and if you're interested in, in the company that I work for in Blackboard and our journey in social good, we have a 2020 social responsibility report on our website, which I invite you to check out. And if you do link with me on LinkedIn, you'll see me sharing news that is tied to that journey. And I love having conversations with other people and organizations that are on their own journey so we can help kind of figure these hurdles mm. out together. So that's where I would leave it. That's that's great. And this is a this is a great journey for an organization to be on. And it can be a challenging journey because there's no real plan. No, and particularly, you know, I started this, we were a small business and now we're a mid-sized business. And a lot of the guidance that's for ESG and social responsibility is for, for very large companies. So I feel like I've been figuring out, you know, as we go, but but that's okay. People in the world of what I do tend to be very open and tend to like to share and do things together. Well, thank you, Rachel. This has been fabulous today. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are welcome. I'm so glad you said yes. Thank you for joining us this week on Leadership Reimagined. I encourage you to take something that you heard today and apply it in your business. The key to progress is action and sharing. I'd love to hear what you accomplish. Email me at jlovis at lovisconsulting.com and let me know. Speaking of applying it in your business, if you're struggling or looking to expand your leadership skills, let's talk. You can go to lovisconsulting.com. That's L-O-V as in Victor, A-S, consulting.com and schedule a quick call with me. We need powerful, strong, compassionate leaders 
to solve the challenges we are facing today. Please subscribe on your favorite platform and share with your friends and family. Thank you for supporting us as we cause and expand 1 million women leaders in tech by 2030. Have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.